Today I open up with a communication from those Gen Z folk. That's eight years old to 23, and this is our conversation we had on Wednesday. Influencers are mostly hashtag mid, and definitely not slay. Heck a sus, no cap bro, SMH. They, ain't, they just ain't passing the vibe check, yo, and that's on the period. If you don't know what that says, you're probably over 25. <laughs> if you need some translation, we'll do that later. But here's the generation that God is moving in, and I will give you the tra translation. I'm blessed to be a part of a bunch of Gen Zers, and uh, they said I wouldn't do it, so I'm doing it. You can't challenge me. And so we are on a sermon series called Faith and Culture. And what we are trying to do is engage culture with the faith that God has given us through his word. Every part of his word, from Genesis to Revelation, we want to engage culture and show the Bible who we, uh, show the world who we are in Jesus Christ. Our church, our mission statement, if you're new, if this is your first time here, we are on a mission from God, like the Blues Brothers, you got to be over 45 to know that one, uh, to love the world one person at a time. That's what we want to do. So if you're new or if you've been here a couple of times, I hope you feel loved. But once you're loved, the idea is that you will be radically transformed, that you will become a world changer for Jesus Christ. Not only will he change your world and your life, but he will also start to change the world around you because you have a radical impact with this beautiful person we celebrate in worship, and his name's Jesus Christ. Now, I'm a golfer, so I love golf claps, but that's weak sauce. All cap, bro. <laughs> You're like, what does that even mean? So, a couple of you guys get that. So, we are engaging uh, with our culture, and we are trying to add, and listen, Gen Z... That's 8 to 23. They're on fire for the Lord. They are. I promise you. There's a lot of them that love Jesus. And if the generation above them is going to miss out, we're going to prepare for the Gen Z, and you're going to see God's church grow, and we're going to hand it off to the Gen Z, healthy and on fire, bringing up young leaders for the kingdom of Christ, because that's who we believe. We believe in all the generations, and that's what God wants to do. Today, we're going to conclude our sermon series, Faith and Culture, with this idea of talking about influencers. Over the last nine weeks, we've talked about sex and what the Bible says about sex, and you'd be pretty shocked on what we talked about that sex is good and it should be fun but you also should be married so that's what we talked about we talked about doubt we talked about purpose we talked about uh, prayer we've talked about a lot of stuff and you've missed any of them we have an app you can download or you can go to our website and listen to them all or watch them on YouTube but here's what we're trying to do is we're trying to show you the influencers as the world has and the chief influencer of all times his name is Jesus Christ 
So what is an influencer? The world, we have a ton of influencers in the world. And I'm not talking just about social media. I'm talking about people like Warren Buffett has been influencing generation after generation about how people spend money. We also have marketing influencers. We have all kinds of influencers in the world. But listen, I don't know if you guys know this, but I've got a group of influencers I want to introduce you to if you don't know them. There's four influencers right now. Carly, Zach, Addison, Ray, and Jason. These people radically have impact and uh, a lot of say in what young people are listening to. Charlie at the end has over 150 million followers. She's created a multi-million dollar company just by posting dance videos on TikTok a couple of years ago. She's the number one person on TikTok. She's got a sister and she's got a lot of good things to say and some sus stuff to say as well. Kind of think through that a little bit. And so let's talk about what influences you, because that's the question I want to ask you today is what's influencing you? What's changing you? What's impacting you? How is it working in your life? And that's what I'm trying to ask you. What is your influence? The Gen Zs, that's 8 to 23, their influence is YouTube. The, the data says 95% of them, they like YouTube. They're on it. They're looking for it. And 50% of them say they can't live without it. That's interesting, but that's true. And uh, you add social media to that as well. Boomers and seniors, you know where you're at. You're also in this group, so you're not getting off the hook. This is crazy, but boomers and seniors are spending 19 hours a week online versus the old mechanism of TV and radio. It's shifting to the internet and streaming, so you're up there as well, and they're saying, boomers and seniors, they're saying that their number one source to learn something is, as my dad would say, the YouTube. And he goes on YouTube to learn everything. He loves to learn, and so it's the YouTube, and you go on YouTube, and you can learn how to change a tire. You can learn on how to plant. You can learn all kinds of things if you're on the YouTube. And uh, it's important that you understand that because it ranks number one uh, for the boomers and seniors on how to learn something in this world today. Here's some information about social media. 50 plus, if you're there, spends 4.9, 4 hours, 9 minutes on social media. That's crazy. And I'm, you're going to see a little bit later at the end of the message, I'm going to show you uh, what I do. And uh, the young adults, 35 to 49. Now think about this. 35 to 49 has the highest social media use of all the age groups. They're at almost seven hours, six, point, six hours, 58 minutes on social media every week. The generation 18 to 34, younger, are 30 minutes less, six hours, 18 minutes. Is that crazy? You would think the younger are on it more, but the truth is that we're seeing that this 35 to 49 are on social media a lot. So why are we saying this? Because here's the deal. We are on a communication revolution. The, the biggest communication shift since the Gutenberg Press over 500 years ago. The Gutenberg Press was created in 1563 or something like that, and that changed communication, and people needed to learn to read from that communication change. And now, just 10 years, this thing has changed the world and is continuing to change the world. And you go back to those four people on there, they have influence over a lot of things that our younger generation is looking at. But you're going to see a little bit later what our generation, at least our kids at our church, uh, the, the, the Gen Z uh, students that we have here, they kind of have something to say about that, and I'm super excited about it. 
So over the last 10 years, we've seen the world's communication shift. I mean, three quarters of, if you, if you go to a school today and ask them what they want to be, three quarters of them say, I want to do something with regards to online videos. Three quarters, 75%. A third of them want to be YouTube influencers or social media influencers. That's like the number one job that most people are talking about. And then one fifth of them want to be a blogger or a vlogger, which is a video vlog or a blogger writing. And so... Uh, the industry that we live in is being disrupted in a huge way. And every area of our life is being impacted. And so you've got to decide how much influence this world is going to have in your life. And that's why we're closing with this. So here's the rhetorical question. That just means a question that I really don't want you to answer, but I want you to kind of think about and I want you to soak in. What influences you? What's influencing you today? It's like, what's your number one influence? In psychology, I got a little bit of uh, schooling in, in, in psychology, and it says there's four or five people around your life that are influencing you, good or bad. So you got to figure out that. What is influencing you? And the question is, what are you influencing in this world? What, are, what vibe or what thing are you pushing off into this world, and how are you being seen in this world, and how are you influencing this world? So... I'm just going to give you the, the end of the sermon at the front end so you guys can kind of let it soak in. But here's what I want you to get out of this sermon today. What you reap, you reap what you sow. Sorry. You reap what you sow. We're going to talk about farming today. You reap what you sow. And here's the last part of this. You are the farmer of your own life. And you've got to decide what you're putting in the soil or what you're not putting in the soil. You've got to decide, am I going to pull weeds or am I not going to pull weeds? Am I going to sow good or I'm just going to let the world sow in and take over? You reap what you sow and you're going to have to decide what level of influence you're going to allow into your life and what level of influence Jesus is going to allow. And so I'm going to open up, uh, we're going to go through Matthew chapter 13 and uh, we'll jump back into the Old Testament at the end. But here's what it says, Matthew chapter 13. It says this, Later the day, the, that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into the boat, and he sat there and taught as his people stood on the shore. He told many stories in parable form, such as this one, and I'm going to stop right after this. He says, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. I'm going to stop for a second. Did you guys just catch that? Maybe we have church wrong. Maybe we're doing everything wrong because I, I'm one that's like, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm not the lead pastor of the church. Jeremy's not. Kim's not. The lead pastor of this church is Jesus Christ. He's the senior pastor, the lead pastor, the, the, always the one above us. And uh, we don't take that title. But here's what the lead pastor says. And I don't know. If you, did you guys catch that? Let, let's read it again. He says, then he sat there and taught the people as they stood. So everybody stand. Now, this is how we're going to do it for the next hour. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. Sit down. But could you imagine? They're standing. Maybe we're doing it all wrong. Maybe there's a reason why we're not seeing uh, the revival in Ventura County because you guys are sitting and I'm standing and walking around. Plus, I've had like 12 cups of coffee, so I feel like I need to get the energy out. But listen, this is what we're talking about today is that Jesus is going to give us a parable. And back then, I don't know, uh, I, I, I know there's a couple of farmers. Uh, my family thinks they're farmers, but not really. But 
back then they used to farm differently they, you know what they do they get their bag of seed you guys all remember Johnny Appleseed he had this bag of seed and they would throw the seed out everywhere right and, and, and they would throw the seed out and it would hit all kinds of areas and then after the seed was thrown out you know what they'd do they'd plow Today, we plow first, and then you have someone planting a little seedlet that's already growing, and in four weeks, that thing's almost ready to harvest, and in two to, two to three months, they're, they're harvesting into the, to the uh, grocery stores. So that's what's happening. Farming is different, and the question I have as we head into this parable, what level of influence are you allowing God in your life, and what level of influence are you allowing the world in your life? And listen... You guys know me. I'm pretty honest. If you're this is your first time here, I tell you the straight truth. I need more of less world, more of God in my life. I'm, I'm just straight up honest. I always have room to change and grow. And so I'm not perfect. I'm just a man, just like everybody else in this room. You're all human, and we all have issues. And so what level, I'm asking myself, Jeff, what level of influence does Christ have in your life, and what level does the world? Okay. So it says... Um, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across his field, some, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds ate, came and ate them. The other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under hot, the hot sun, and since they did not have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. And still other seeds fell on the fertile soil. They produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times um, as much as they planted. And verse 9 says this, and this is for you. This is for you and me. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. Should listen and understand. God is going to speak to us all today. It might be through a donkey like me, but he's going to speak to us, and your job is to receive it and answer the question, what level of influence am I letting into my life, pro or uh, against Jesus Christ? If you look at Jesus, he came into a culture that was very religious, very traditional, along with a bunch of, of, of secular people. The Romans weren't necessarily religious by any means. And so he's coming into a very similar faith and culture concept. There's a bunch of faithful people, uh, and then there's a bunch of, of, of cultural people or secular people. And he is trying to present the gospel to the people. So let me ask you a question. Who is the farmer in the story? Thank you. The good news is in a Christian church from junior high to high school to church, if you say Jesus 90% of the time, that's the right answer. Good job, though. He's the only one brave enough to say the right answer. But the farmer here is Jesus, and what is the seed? The word and his message and so that's what we're talking about so if you're if you're vibing with us online you hang out with us we're trying to give an understanding Jesus is trying to bring the seed to his people a presentation of the gospel why it's going to be just like what you're going to see today that the world needs to view God differently Listen, you're put in this world somewhere in life. You got a job, you got a family, you got kids, you've got all kinds of people watching you, and there might be four or five. God's put you in their life for a reason. Are you a positive influence of God or are you a negative influence? The world needs to view God differently. Doesn't our world need to view God differently? 
And it's the same with Jesus because he's like, my father is not about a bunch of rules and not about a relationship. My father wants you to have a relationship. My father wants you to enjoy, uh, enjoy who he is. And so Jesus is trying to open up the eyes of those people. And so one of the ways that he does that is he teaches parables. Matthew chapter 13, if you're a theologian here today, Matthew chapter 13 starts what we call a parabolic discourse. All that means for the layman people like me is it means he's teaching in parables so that we can have a revelation through illustration, so that we can receive something from the gospel that he speaks to us through an analogy that makes sense to us in our own life. Now, if Jesus were teaching here today, he would teach differently. Why? Because our culture's different. Back then, he would use a farming illustration, and he uses a ton of farming illustrations. Why? Well, because there was a bunch of farming. Uh, people had to farm. 90% of the people had to farm. My buddy Will, uh, and I think Addison are up there, Erica. Everybody say hi, Will, Addison, Erica. They're up there on the booth up there. Uh, my buddy Will was at a staff meeting about a year ago, and he says, do you realize how big the farming industry's been impacted in the last 1,000 years? Everybody used to farm, and now the way I farm, sprouts or grocery outlet, right? Or, or Ralph's, wherever. That's where I farm, and I go and grab some stuff. Occasionally, if I'm really brave, I go to the strawberry place and pay 20 bucks for the best strawberries in the world, and that's about as close to farming as I get. But back then, everybody would farm, and so that's what Jesus is doing. Parables are designed to communicate truth in everyday terms. And today, if Jesus were teaching us, guess what he would do? He would be putting something from the Gen Z up and start to speak to the Gen Z because he's not afraid of culture and he's not afraid of engaging it because he knows his truth will prevail if we allow that influence to happen in our life. Jesus is the original world influencer. Why? He has changed thousands of people and he's in heaven kicking back, letting the Holy Spirit roar in our lives and people are still being radically saved. Someone in here is going to be radically impacted by the kingdom of God. How do I know that? It happened last service. Somebody walked away and was like, that was for me. That was what I needed and Jesus is going to do that today through what's left with us called the Holy Spirit. He's going to speak to us and allow us to experience that influence. And so Jesus has influenced the world and he's changed everything. Thing. Here's six ways that he's changed. And I know this is kind of a digress from the original message, but just stick with me and I'll go through this really quick. But here's six things that Jesus did, his legacy that influenced the world. Number one, women's rights. Do you guys realize how critical women's rights are? You guys do not realize how powerful... I've said this several times. Every country that has Christianity as its main religion has allowed women to move all the way up, if not the top the leader, the second leader. Uh, women have rise in the Christian uh, religion. Listen to what it says. There is no longer Jew, Gentile, slave, free, uh, slave or free, male or female, for we are all one in Jesus Christ. That was radical. This was radical back then. This was so radical that you couldn't believe what he was saying. And the second part is when Jesus came into this world, he created Proverbs 31 women. Listen to what it says about Proverbs 31. This was radical. It says, she will survey a field and what? 
What does that mean? She would buy property. You couldn't buy property back then. But when Jesus came into the world, women then started having the, the same firstborn rights as a son, and women became part of the kingdom of God. So here's some facts. 2,000 years ago, Jesus comes into the world, and there's this incredible movement of women converting to Christianity. I don't know if you guys know this. Maybe this is the first time you ever heard this. Christianity was criticized back in the day as a woman's religion because so many women were going to the gospel because it was giving them access and dignity and respect they were getting nowhere else in the world. Incredible. Powerful. Jesus is not afraid of elevating women because they're valuable. You guys can clap, but that's okay. I'm not pandering for me. I'm pandering for the women here. Number two, human rights. Before Christ, human rights. Today in our society, the secular people, the people that don't believe, believe that it's common sense, common knowledge where their human rights. You know where their human rights come from? Look at the first chapter in the Bible. It says, uh, uh, let us make human beings in our image to let us be in our like. He's like, God created us to be like him. That's a human right. All of us should be treated equal because we're made in the image of God. And so the first part of human rights comes through Jesus Christ. And the second part says, love your enemies. Now, are Christians innocent of all things? No. We have been, Christians have been a part of, uh, of uh, the abolishment of slavery, but they've also been guilty of slavery. But a big part of it was Christians coming to help free slaves. But they also were slave owners and, 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 and held people back. So we're not, we're not innocent uh, free of, of guilt. The second part is the civil rights movement. I don't know if you guys were around back then, but if you look at some of the, go on the YouTube, as my dad would say, and look at some of the people marching, there were Christians with the civil rights movement. So again, there were racist people back then that were Christian, but there were also Christians trying to help uh, uh, human rights. It's a big part of who we are. God says, love our enemies. That's where human rights come from. It comes from Jesus Christ. Number three, how about humanitarian aid? Do you know that 75% of all aid given in this country comes from faith-based faith people? It's because we have a call on our heart to help people. And when there's disasters anywhere in the world, 70 or 80% of those people will break out our, our phone or our checkbook and send 50, 100, five bucks, $5,000, whatever you can afford because we know that it's God wanting us to help other people. Here's what the Bible verse says. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the, the lame, and the blind. And I love this last one. This is the one I gotta read. It's important that we read it. It says this. If someone has enough money to live well, listen, that's everybody in Ventura County. That's everybody. Don't, I don't care what your checkbook says. Mine's got six bucks. It's plenty. And here's what it says. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how could God's love be in that person? That's humanitarian right there. So we are being touched by God through Jesus to help this world. Number three, uh, number four is my favorite one, and it kind of stems to number five too, which is education. Do you realize the education system in our life? Listen to what Mark 1230, uh, uh, 12.30 says, and this is part of our mission statement at this church. It says this, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, and with what? All your mind. 
He wants our minds to grow. He doesn't want them just to be stuck on stupid and, and, and just let everything happen. He wants our minds to educate and grow. Look at this last verse. Hold on to the instruction and do not let it go. Guard it well for it is what? It's your life. Education. Listen. Real quick, here's my testimony in 30 seconds or less. I was a drug addict. I got arrested. I was looking at 10 years, but God saved me. The one thing that they can't take from me, I lost everything, was my education and my faith that I have in Jesus Christ. I lost everything, but out of dust and out of the ashes, God rose up something beautiful because you can't take what you have inside of you. Hold on to this. It will change your life. Uh... I don't know if you guys know that the first universities in England and in the United States were Christian-based. Harvard, Yale, Christian-based. They're not anymore, but they were. And St. Patrick, everybody liked the St. Patrick party. Did you realize his literacy program changed all of Ireland because he was a missionary trying to get people to read? We're about education. People would go on mission trips. Next week's Mission Sunday, most of the mission trips back in the day were to teach people to read so they could read the Word of God. Because that's who Jesus is, education. Here's, the la here's number five. This is the one that's radical, science. Christians in science are fighting right now, but it's not true. If we, if we were a big part of education, Jesus started education. He also started science. Listen to what Psalm 111 says. It says, great are the works of the Lord. Study them by all who delight in them. Study them. What does it look like? What does, what does uh, uh, gravity look like? What does water look like? Precipitation? What does all this stuff look like? Study them. And then Ecclesiastes says, I applied my mind to study and to explore the wisdom, all that is done underneath the heavens. Study them. And so it's really important. We often think science is against us, but it's truthfully not. Christians were a big part of science because we believed in this God who made both the world and everything in it, including us. And we felt it leading us to explore our lives. People like Newton, Francis Bacon, Galileo, Kepler, Pascal. These men were inspired by faith to study things of this world. They saw science as a mean of, uh, means of uncovering God's handiwork. Like, how does this all play out? It's incredible, but this is something that, uh, that Jesus has impacted. And here's the last one, probably the most important one. 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross. And it was the darkest day in history, and we sing songs like that, right? But three days later, he rose, and his life changes lives still today. The number six thing is he changes lives. There's a testimony. Stand up if Jesus has changed your life today. There's a testimony in this room. <laughs> this is how he works. He allows us to be... Go ahead, sit down. You guys, enough glory. Enough glory. He changed his life. John 3, 16, God loved the world. He gave us his son so that we can be a testimony to this world. He changes lives. He wants us to be a part of his life. He does a new thing. He creates new inside of us. He wants us to be uh, the message of his kingdom. Jesus is the great sower of the world, and we are his harvest, and then we sow into this world, and then there's another harvest. It's been going on for 2,000 years. His gospel message, the seed, has like McDonald's changed billions. Nobody gets the McDonald's joke? You, you guys aren't old enough because it used to be one billion served, two billion. You know what it says now? Billions and billions. Everybody acts like I don't eat McDonald's. It's funny. Somebody is. 
I saw you walk in. He's got the McDonald's coffee right there. So. <laughs> Sorry. I love you guys. <laughs> Welcome, by the way. So here's the message. What you reap, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And that's what this parable is about. You reap what you sow. You are the farmer of your life. You are to tend your own soil. You're to work in it, and you're asked to invite God into it, going, my soil kind of is dry and got no, no, nothing in it. And, 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 and ask the Lord to help. But you've got to make sure that you're, you're doing the work or your farm is not going to grow. So I don't have this text up there, but I'm going to read a little bit in... in, in, in uh, 13 it says this you are permitted to understand the secret uh, to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven but others are not those who listen to my teaching more understand that will be given to them they will have an abundance of knowledge but for those who are not listening even what little understanding they have will be taken away he says for they look but they don't really see they hear but they really don't listen and understand listen there's somebody out there that wants you to be confused and wants to take all of what you've learned about God and turn it upside down. And at that age of 18 to 25, they're going to try and change you from what you've received as a child to, to, to what God wants to make you. And so then there's a fight and a battle for your life. And that brings us to the explanation. And uh, Luke, uh, I mean, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18, here's the explanation. Let me pause for a sec. Jesus wants you to know this. That he explains his own word. My sister, if she was up here, she's like, the Bible explains the Bible. I'm tired of hearing, I mean, I love hearing that. The Bible gives explanation about the Bible. She's been telling me that for 20 plus years. The Bible, if you keep reading it, the verses around it, you will find there's explanation to what he's saying. And you don't have to look to Google. You can look to the word, right? And so a little bit later, here's the explanation. Because it says this. Now listen to the explanation. Hint, hint, that means this is going to be the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seeds that fell on the, uh, on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom of God and don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't... It, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing in God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded by the worries of life. Who's that today? Crowded by the worries of life and the lure of wealth and no fruit is produced. The seed that falls on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much has been planted. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow, and you now have to be responsible to help God engage your life in a way that truly makes sense. So let me give you an explanation. The footpath is the one that gives Jesus no influence. Why? 
Well, maybe it's how you were raised or how those people were raised. If they were raised against God or no God, it's really hard. And so the, the text says the bird comes. You know who the bird is? The bird is Satan, and he comes up and chews that word and takes it from him. Satan's primary purpose in life is to take a non-believer and keep him in darkness. That's his job. Take every seed that's been and that's rejected and so that they're kept in darkness. Satan's job is for a believer to also keep us in darkness so that we don't get to that 30, 60, and 100-fold uh, uh, type of soil. He wants to steal all of that. Steal, kill, and destroy everything that you love. So the first part is you, they receive it, but Satan takes it, and he wants to keep them in darkness, and someone in here is also in darkness or online. And uh, that's the first part. Number two, the rocky soil it gives Jesus a thought of influence. I, I said this in first service, so I might as well say it in second service. Um, I've been preaching now for almost 18 years. First started out with junior high because they wouldn't let me have anybody over the age of 13 because I, I was a little shaky back then. And uh, probably still shaky today if you've listened to some of the things I've said up here. Um, but I've been preaching, and I've had people come to me, I'm not kidding, bawling. Like, oh my God, that message was for me, brother. It was like you were in my living room last night or whatever, and I never see them again in church, right? But I see them at the grocery store, and they're climbing out on their hands and knees going, oh, that's the guy, and they're hiding from me, right? But here's the thing. There's a story in the Bible about the rich young ruler. Do you guys know the story? He comes up to Jesus and he says, man, brother, that was awesome what you said. I want all that you have. And he says, what can I do? And he says, follow the Ten Commandments. And of course, the guy's got a little bit of pride and he says, look, I've done all the commandments perfectly. Really? Really? You've done them perfectly? And then Jesus is like, well, since you've done them perfectly, all you've got to do is sell all your possessions and follow me. And then the rich young ruler goes, that's not for me. And he walks away with his tail between his legs. Like, that was a good message, but Jesus looked good, but when I got to sell everything and invite him in, not good. That influence is a good thought until you have to really act on it. The thorny ground, this one is the one that's most important to me because I think a lot of us are in this place. That we come to church and we give Jesus a chance to have influence and we maybe even start going to a community group and start reading or doing a little bit of devotion. But here's what happens. The first trial or the first issue or the perfect person comes in and all of a sudden they take you right out of church and never come back. You win the lottery and you go out and you go to yachts. Whatever it is, the world comes in and all of a sudden that influence takes you right out. It chokes you out. The world wants to choke out your relationship with Christ. That's what the text says. And so you've got to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that the world doesn't choke out your relationship. And the last one is where we all want to be, and I'm working to try and get there, where my life has impact, that it's 30, 60, 100-fold because we've given God time to do the work within us so that we can experience the glory of God. How do we do that? Well, we need to invite God in. So let's go back to that original conversation I had with my Gen Z folk. You guys ready for that? Veronica, do you want to say something? No, I'm just kidding. She'll get, she'll come by. She's already shrinking down. Um, so if we go back to that conversation we had, this is the Gen Z. You remember what it says? Influencers are most, I, I'm supposed to say it with an accent. I can't do it. I'm supposed to have a bucket hat or something. I have no idea what that is. But I would do it if I had one. Addison didn't get it to me. Influencers are mostly hashtag mid, definitely not slay, 
Heck of sus, no cap, bro, SMH. They just ain't passing the vibe check, yo, and that's on the period. <laughs> Why are you laughing, man? Why? <laughs> so here's what it says. Here's what it says if you're not into the no. Influencers are okay. And this is the generation. This is the generation that we're trying to reach. They're okay. They're not the best. Some of their stuff is suspect. Because they know what's good and what's evil. For real. That's on no cap, bro. Shaking my head if you don't know that. They aren't as cool as they think. And that's the truth. Period. Listen. This is how Jesus would teach if he were here today using today's culture and Gen Z. This culture wants Christ. And our job is to be that vehicle that says, this is what I've learned. This is our church. This is what we have. And we need to make sure that we give it away so that this Gen Z and even the millennials take this church and run with it so that it's theirs. So that when we are gone, the, the kingdom of God still roars forward like it's been going on for 2,000 years. Amen? There's a guy named Philip Schaff. He's wrote some stuff in the 17th century about the impact of Jesus. Listen to what he says. The Jesus of this, this Jesus of Nazareth without money and arms conquered more than Alexander, Caesar, Muhammad, and Napoleon altogether. With no, war, no military or nothing, he's conquered more. Without science and learning, uh, he shed more light on human things and divine than all other scholars and uh, philosophers and scholars combined. Without eloquence of schools, I'm kind of paraphrasing, Jesus spoke such words that were never spoken before and have never been spoken again. And here's the last one. Without a single line that we know that he wrote, he might have wrote stuff, but without a single line that we know that he wrote, he set more pins in motion, furnished more themes for sermons, artwork, songs of praise, and all the great armies of past and present, ancient and modern. Jesus has influenced and still is influencing the world. And he's in heaven and his spirit is speaking to us and trying to influence us right now. So how does Jesus influence you? That's the real question. It's like, what is he doing in your life? Where is he? Where do you see him? Where do you see him working? Where do you need him? Where are you speaking about him? How is he influencing? And what is he doing in your world? God planted you in the world for a reason, not just to, uh, to, to do whatever you want, to gain a bunch of money and wealth or to have fun. You know, I live on YOLO. You only live once. That's the street name I live on. And everybody's like, is that real? And I'm like, yeah, bro, no cap. <laughs> <laughs> The question is, how are you influencing this world? You are influencing the world one way or the other. You are. The question is, are you doing a positive thing or a negative thing in this world? If you sow Jesus, you will reap Jesus, plain and simple. If you sow into God's word, you will reap a harvest of God's word. Period. If you sow into a relationship with God, you will reap a beautiful relationship with God. But if you sow into this world, you will get nothing. You will get what you get. SMH. 
You got that one? So what's the takeaway? What are we going to favorite part of the sermon? Because I don't know if you guys know this. I was, I was telling the Gen Zers the other, I was like two weeks ago about the Holy Spirit. And it takes us about an hour to get connected to God. We sing a few songs. The song quiets the beast inside. And then you listen to a bunch of stuff. And now you know it's close to kind of checking out and getting ready to, you know, go wherever you're going to go eat. But this is when God speaks the most to us because you're now quiet and your heart is listening and now God wants to speak. So here's some of the takeaway. First thing you need to do to kind of make sure that your soil's right is do a screen check. That means go to your phone and see how much screen time you're doing. Now I'm gonna honestly do mine. It's kind of embarrassing, but I'm gonna put mine. When you go to the last slide, Addison, it shows my screen time. This is my personal screen time for this last week. I'm kind of embarrassed, but listen, I'm still doing uh, I'm still doing texts, but most of the kids are DMing nowadays, so I do a little DM. But I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I do a lot of texting. Uh, my kids, I'm I'm like. Thousands of texts over my kids, so a lot of texts. Sadly, I'm on Facebook four hours. I wish that was not true. I, I tried to blot that out, but I couldn't do it. I'm not that tech savvy. The good news is I got a little bit of Bible in my life that week to kind of offset a lot of that stuff. But listen, the first thing you need to do, if you're honest and you want a, 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 a 30, 60, 100-fold, check to see where your time is going. I wish I had... Seven hours of Bible time and less Facebook time, but that's not where I'm at today, and so I've got work to do. I wish I wasn't texting so much and I was focused on what God is, but this is the truth of my life. You've got to take the truth of your life. You are your own farmer, right? Number two is do an inventory of all your influences. I came back from Israel with my wife, it's also around my birthday, and my wife says, uh, every time I do this inventory and I'm like, you know what? There's about six or seven shows I'm not going to watch on Netflix or, or Hulu or whatever anymore. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to watch them. And so we just kind of cut those out of our life. And there's probably another 10 or 15 that I should cut. But those ones were for sure that I know God said no. And I've got a lot of work to do. I'm still watching Netflix. It's not like I've got it out. I'm activating my PureFlix account. I got all of that stuff working. But here's what you need to do is look at the influences on all media platform. You guys have heard this, but for those that are new, I haven't watched the news in three years. Coming up on three years. No news. Because it makes my life better when I'm not invested in that. And I'm getting something else in my life. No news. Doesn't mean I know much about it. I have to hear it from Facebook, obviously. But that's where I get my stuff. Number three. Ask God to help you create time for Him. And to sustain it. We always say this. It's like, well, ask God. Well, get on your hands and knees or get into your prayer closet or get into your car and say, Lord, will you help me create time in my life? And to sustain it. It's not like going to the gym and going, man, I'm going to lose 40 pounds by June 28 and then give up in the gym, right? That's not what we're talking about. It's saying, Lord, help me then sustain this plan so that I can actually live out my life for the kingdom of God. Listen, this is the most frustrating part to me about church. I got people that are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. We're, we're singing that, you know, Jesus is, is, is my firm foundation. But we can't spend an hour a week in church on Sunday, but we're willing to be in eternity with Him forever? 
but we can't make five minutes a day to prayer and five minutes a day to read, but you, you, you want to spend eternity with him? You're on earth practicing so that you can understand what heaven's going to be like. And too often today, it's like I can't give you an hour a week. Why? We practice what we preach. We are influenced by Christ, and it will influence your life in multiple ways if you give God some time. Here's the last part. Speak Jesus in all that you do. In all that you do. That he has influence and dominion in every part of your life. My prayer for you this morning was that God would open up the dark areas of your life and that Jesus would speak into those areas. At school, at home, by yourself, speak the name of Jesus in and every part of your life. Give him dominion and access to that and watch him do everything. This is the last part and this is from my shirt from my friend. This is what motivates me each and every morning I wake up. Romans chapter 14 verse 11 says, It is written, and he's referring back to an Old Testament scripture we'll talk about. He says, It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge or confess Jesus Christ or that God is real. God is coming back. And the thing that should be the influence of why we live our life the way that we do is that one day every knee will bow. One day every tongue will confess, believer or not, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it says it is written. What is he saying? He's talking about a prophecy. Uh, Isaiah 45, he says this, Let all the world look to me for salvation. This is the prophetic son of man coming, for I am God. There is no other. I have sworn by my own name, and I have spoken truth, and I will never go back on my word. That's the God that we believe in. And then he says this, Every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare my allegiance. The people declare the Lord is the source of my righteousness and my strength. And that should be your influence every day for the rest of your life. That one day I'm going to bow and I'm going to be ready for the kingdom of God to show himself. Do you believe that today? Thankfully, we're not going to heaven by the claps for Jesus today. So let's let the Holy Spirit work right now. Bow your heads. Father, we feel your spirit right now. We thank you for what your son has done. And we ask that you give us, that you create access in our life, that you create influence, that you speak to us. We know, Lord, that you are good and you're not sus. And we ask for your glory to rise us up. Put on our heart every morning that we wake up that one day we will confess your name and bow to only you, Lord. If there's someone here or online that doesn't know Jesus and, and wants to know Jesus, all you have to do is say a few words and they can just repeat them after me. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart, come into my soul and be my Lord and Savior. You died for me on the cross. Thank you. And you rose again three days later so that I may be saved. I thank you for that, Lord. And take all of me, every part of me, my heart, my mind, and my soul, and anoint me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the influence so that the Holy Spirit will guide me each and every day of my life. We say this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.
And now we get to respond by worshiping. Let's worship together.